Hey, Jarrett Stevens here. I'm one of the lead pastors of Soul City Church. And uh, this month, as our family's taken some time to be together and to pull back a little bit, we wanted to bring to Soul City some of the best possible voices that we could to speak into our church and specifically to speak into your life. And today is no exception. In fact, today I'm, I'm really bummed I'm not with y'all because we get to welcome Jeremy Cowart to Soul City Church. Now, you may have heard of Jeremy. He is a world-renowned photographer and has taken pictures of just about every famous person imaginable. And yet has created amazing initiatives to give portraits to folks who might never actually have their picture taken and has mobilized thousands and thousands of photographers to use their gifts around the world. Jeremy is one of the most creative people I know. Like his throwaway ideas are better than my best ideas. And so today you're going to hear from one of the most innovative and creative people I've ever come across. And yet his heart for Jesus is so real and so powerful. And so I hope you're really encouraged from hearing from Jeremy today. So can we do something? Can we show Jeremy some love, some Soul City love, and welcome him up today? We're so glad he's here. Let's show Jeremy some love and welcome him up to the stage right now. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here today. Um, very good to be here in Chicago. Last memory I have in Chicago was here to see Michael Jordan play. So... <laughs> I was that kid with literally every square inch of my bedroom, including the ceiling, covered in Michael Jordan. Every magazine article, every poster, had the flight poster, do y'all remember that one? I was a member of the flight club, like I literally thought I was Michael Jordan, it was, so uh, anyway, and that game, by the way, my dad had some kind of pass, because he knew a guy that played with the uh, Vanderbilt Commodores, who played with the Bulls. And I got to like go backstage, you know, behind the court or wherever we were and like stand next to Jordan. And uh, he walked right past me and I was standing there like this. And my dad, the worst photographer in the world, took one photo and there's like a lady standing between the camera and me. So you don't even see me in the picture. Uh, I think you see like the back of my head or something. Anyway, so it's good to be back here in Chicago. Um, so it's been a fun week, speaking of sports, it's been a fun week of Olympics, right? It's been insane. I love coming home every day from work and being able to watch people pursue their dreams. It's, I wish like, <laughs> I wish the Olympics were on all the time because it's just so inspiring. I loved seeing a couple of nights ago the guy that was 35 and came back to win another gold since the age of 20. Like, who does that? Um, and just story after story of Olympians coming out and pursuing their dreams has been amazing, and so many of them have shared the, um, the verse, Philippians 4.13. And it's one of those verses you hear your whole life, especially for me, a guy who grew up in the church, and it almost becomes a bit cliche. And so my story is kind of that verse coming to life in, in real living color. And so uh, I wanted to share that with you this morning. Um, so that being said, here we go. So my name is Jeremy, and this is my story. I was born in Nashville, Tennessee, and I grew up in a suburb called Hendersonville. And Hendersonville was originally known for being the hometown to Johnny Cash, but now it's being known for being the hometown to Taylor Swift. I love you, Taylor. True story. <laughs> so growing up, I was never smart. I couldn't pay attention for more than three minutes. I made bad grades. I was quiet, shy, and really just average average kid playing pool. <laughs> I always remember telling my mom and dad, I can't do this. That's when my dad started reprogramming my brain. 
He reprogrammed it with one simple sentence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He said this for years over and over and over again. In seventh grade, I discovered I could draw, so I started taking art a little more seriously. Something came alive in me. There's my Jordan posters, by the way. (laughs) I was failing miserably at all the mandatory academics, but I came to life in the optional arts. Heck, I was even tested with some fancy aptitude test my senior year. Here were the official results. So inductive reasoning, 15 out of 100. Analytical reasoning, 5 out of 100. Killing it. Uh, Structural visualization, 15 out of 100. Observation, 15 out of 100. English vocabulary, 5 out of 100. I'm pretty sure it's still 5, actually. Um, So, perfect. It's now been confirmed that I'm a complete and total moron. Thank you, aptitude test. (laughs) That was me on Bill Gates' body, by the way. So... uh, so I wanted to be a painter for the rest of my life. Now, my parents made a call that was very wise and in hindsight way ahead of their time. My mom said it's going to be tough to make a living as a painter. You should look into computers and graphic design instead. So whoa, here comes those two words again, I can't. Computers are for smart people, I thought. They're for people who can focus. I'm, I'm not smart, so therefore I can't. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, they reminded me. So off to the races, I went ahead and reluctantly jumped in. And guess what happened? I fell in love. Turns out the Photoshop is the coolest tool on the planet. And it's not just for smart people, it's for anybody. And it was definitely for me. So I studied graphic design in college and got my first job at high-end ad agency. And after a year, my boss fired me. Not only did he fire me, but he suggested that I find another career altogether. <laughs> Thanks, boss. <laughs> See, he was, he was too late. I had already started believing that I could do anything I wanted to do. So thankfully, I ignored him and I worked for a couple more ad agencies. And then I finally realized that world for me was boring. I was designing websites for air conditioning companies, and it's literally impossible to make an AC unit look sexy. (laughs) So at the time, I had a few friends doing music. I knew how to design album covers and websites, so why not work for them instead? After having the idea, I quit my comfortable job the next day. I didn't think, I just jumped. So I called the company Pixel Grazer, and it blew up. Album covers, websites, merch, we did it all. And one day a friend said, hey, you should buy this new thing called a digital camera. (laughs) Here we go again. Back to square one. I can't. There's no way. Photography is for smart people. I took one photography class in college and I made a D. My professor seemed to hate me. So I swore off photography for life. Literally told my friends I will never become a photographer. So what did I do? Went to the bookstore and bought a book called Digital Photography for Dummies. D for Dummies. (laughs) So I learned about these scary things called f-stops, shutter speeds, ISO, white balance, and more. To my utter surprise, I actually understood it all, so maybe I wasn't an idiot after all. So I went and bought a whopping three megapixel camera and was ready to take over the world. And next thing you know, I was shooting those musician friends of mine for fun and I wasn't awful. So I finally told all my design clients, hey, I'm taking pictures now too. You know what happened? 
I started landing a lot of gigs, and one of those was for another label. So I ended up beating a well-known Hollywood agent and her roster of celebrity photographers. So she calls me and she said, hey, I'd love to represent you. Your work is amazing. By the way, you know how to light sets, right? Uh, yeah, sure. But I had never lit a big set before. So we signed a deal within weeks. I was shooting for networks like E! and then Fox. Then I got to shoot this guy named Sting. So the immediate success was shocking. I went from amateur photographer to celebrity photographer in just a few months. Since then, I've photographed a long list of celebrities. The Kardashians, Ryan Seacrest, Taylor Swift, Kelly Clarkson, Carrie Underwood, Gwyneth Paltrow, and many, many more. I've now published four photography books over the years. Toured with Britney Spears, long story. <laughs> Got to photograph President Obama on the first day of his presidency. Got to document the Pope's journey to the US last year. Apparently the back of his head. <laughs> My photos have now been published in uh, Sports Illustrated, ESPN, Rolling Stone, Vanity Fair, every magazine I could ever dream of. I've now uh, acquired a following on social media with over a million followers across the various networks. July of 2015, Adweek named me one of 10 visual artists who are changing the way we see the world. Then in 2014, Huffington Post named me the most influential photographer on the internet. So I did it. I made it. But wait. So what? Who cares? Was being a photography rock star really my goal? I realized that I should aim for greatness and stop there. Because my greatness should serve his greater purpose. So what was my greater purpose? That led me to the idea of giving photos away to people in need. So I gathered together a few photography friends and we spent the day at a gym giving photos away to people in need. I put a, a video of the day on Facebook and various blogs and people said, hey, I want to be a part of this if you ever do it again. So that's when I had the thought. What if this was a global event where photographers did this all over the world? No way, I can't. Global? You see, that idea that my parents instilled in me not only helped me overcome my challenges and insecurities, but it blew off my limitations and opened up the world to me. So why not start a global movement? Nine months later, I put the idea out there, a word spread fast. So what happened that December of 2009? 3,400 photographers and 5,000 volunteers responded and gave away 41,000 portraits in 543 locations in 42 countries around the world. Since then, the numbers are now approaching 100,000 people that have given away nearly half a million portraits in over 70 countries in every American state. But it's not the numbers that count, it's the stories. Dignity, beauty, and value, a sense of self-worth. These are all the things being given away that material possessions can't really deliver. We've seen uh, grown women have their hair and makeup done for the first time. We've seen men have their first pictures taken outside of their jail mugshots. We've restored photos after natural disasters. We've had kids see their own faces for the first time in third world countries. We've had people get jobs using their photos as new headshots. 
We've had photographers say, this is the greatest thing I've ever done with my camera. We've had photography competitors become community after serving together. So Help Portrait was a crazy simple idea that has now reached around the world. And it made me realize that a simple idea and a camera could go a long way. So how else could I help? When the earthquakes, earthquake struck Haiti, I was dumbfounded. Couldn't believe my eyes. More importantly, I couldn't believe what the media was saying about it all. They just kept mentioning how many buildings had fallen down, how many people died. It was all stats. But what about the people? What about their stories, I wondered. So as I sat on my couch watching CNN, I wondered, what if they could tweet? What would they tell the world right now? At the time, they couldn't tweet, so what if I went down and gave them a microphone in the form of a photograph? So we went around asking people what they had to tell the real world. The results were staggering, heart-wrenching, beautiful, and inspiring. This man said, my chopped leg is not the problem. The lack of government is the problem. This woman simply said, oh, the things I've seen. This man said, the earth may shake, but Haiti remains in my heart. This woman simply said, God, please show me the path of hope. But somebody had hope. We heard there was a wedding going on, and the thought was crazy. There were still aftershocks happening. There were still dead bodies laying everywhere. Who in their right mind would get married amongst all this devastation? So we found the wedding, and we asked them what they had to tell the world. The response blew us away, and they found the only paper plate there at the wedding, and they wrote on it, Love Conquers All. So a couple years later, I decided to go back to Uganda with my friends at Exile International, and I wanted to collaborate with children, specifically former child soldiers who had been abducted by Joseph Kony in the LRA. As a form of art therapy, we worked together to tell their stories. We interviewed them. I took portraits of them. I had them draw the pains of their past and the dreams of their future. I even taught them how to draw these stories in Photoshop. And the stories weighed so heavy on our team. One girl was forced to participate in the murder of her own mother. She was seven at the time. Then there was Dillish. Dillish had finished drawing her story and she said, wait, there's more. I need to draw it. She said, uh, my sister and I were with my mom and they killed my mom in front of us. And my sister started crying. So they picked her up by her legs and slammed her into a tree head first to also kill her. And this is her actual drawing. I screen recorded the computer to show her art coming to life. These are the soldiers um, taking her sister. Other stories were even more evil, more graphic and horrific to recount here today. But all of them had glimpses of hope and redemption woven throughout. And I wanted to help show that. So I took their handkerchief art, their portraits, their stories, and I combined them all together to make these mixed media pieces of art.
those are the final images, and then I print these in my studio, and I draw over the top of them to uh, continue the collaboration between me and these kids. And then we're selling prints of these at exileinternational.org slash posa, and all the money goes to exile to continue helping these kids uh, with our art therapy. So speaking of kids, my wife Shannon and I have two biological children, and we just adopted two more kids from Haiti as well. And you know what I tell them every chance I get. Philippians 4.13. Adoption is one of the hardest things we've ever done as a family, but also the most rewarding. My two older children have welcomed their new siblings with open arms. And our newer children are overcoming language and cultural barriers while learning to embrace life in an entirely new environment. And every day they're all reminding me what it takes to live out the idea that it took me so long to embrace. And nothing is more important to me than family. And not only have two supportive parents, but I have two older brothers as well. A few years ago, we took our daughters to a daddy-daughter dance. And that night, my brother Mike, also a photographer, took just one photo of me throwing my daughter into the air that night. In return, I took just one photo of he and his daughter. Fast forward a few weeks, I was speaking at a conference in Vegas when I got a 911 text from my dad. He called and said, Mike just died suddenly of a heart attack. He was 43 years old. We had been texting all morning. And just like that, he was gone. And that photo from the daddy-daughter dance was the last time I ever took his picture. So in the weeks and months that followed his passing, I began asking, what if I die tomorrow? What about my kids? What if I could teach them everything I've learned in life, just in case? We live in an age where it's really easy to document our thoughts and our feelings, but why not document our wisdom? Could you imagine if our grandparents and great-grandparents had had the technology we have and could have done this, if they could have documented, taught you everything they learned? We're the beginning of our digital family trees. Five generations from now, your family will be able to Google you They'll read your Facebook posts, your Instagram, your snaps, your tweets, everything. So what are you saying and teaching them right now? That line of thinking led me to launch something called C-University, where I've now filmed over 150 videos on lighting and Photoshop and business and finance and marriage work balance and the fear of failure. Um, Anything I can think of, I'm just recording it and filming it, including Spooning with Wolves, apparently. <laughs> so think about that. Little shy, fifth percent on me from Hendersonville, Tennessee. And I'm now teaching the world about the very things in life that I couldn't do. So now you know what I've done with my 38 years of life here on Earth. So what about my future? The truth is, there's another idea that I had three years ago that I've been terrified of. It's my Mount Everest. It's my Goliath. It's bigger than everything I just shared with y'all. The dream is I want to build a hotel called the Purpose Hotel. Not just a hotel, but an actual global hotel chain. See, this hotel would hopefully change the world. The rooms will sponsor children and tell their stories. The internet fee will fight human trafficking through IJM. 
The room keys will be connected to the giving keys which employ the homeless. You'll be a charity water well in the lobby to teach children about clean water, the products, the design, the furniture. Everything in the building will be connected to a cause or nonprofit. Hopefully there will be unparalleled creativity throughout. By staying in this hotel, you'd be changing the world locally, domestically, and internationally. By staying in this hotel, you'd be changing the world in your sleep. This hotel will be built for the world, by the world. Right now, we've launched a Kickstarter campaign. It's uh, live for 20 more days where we're trying to begin this story with you, with the public. Everything is getting so much darker, right? Terrorism, war, poverty, hunger, disease, politics. But Franklin Buechner said purpose is where deep gladness meets the world's needs. The question is when, and I believe the time is now. So please join me in building this crazy idea. Uh, you can go to thepurposehotel.com today. You can back the campaign. You can text this number 44222 to join our mailing list. Um, but more importantly, just tell your friends about it. See, so do you see what I just did over the last couple of minutes? I took the first step by speaking my dreams and fears publicly to you. There's nothing that exists about this idea yet except for the idea itself. But this is how dreams become reality. You have to take that first step. You have to speak your dreams into existence. Text, call, or email somebody today just for the exercise. Tell them your dreams. If, you, if I can do all this, and just imagine what you guys can do. What have you been too afraid to try? What voices have kept you from reaching your potential? What voices have closed your sense of wonder? If you're alive, if you're breathing, we need you. We need your vision. Remember, the very word impossible actually spells I'm possible. You guys, as you know, can do anything through Christ who strengthens you. Thank you very much. Thank you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow. First two services were lame. They stayed seating. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Thank you all for that. It's very kind. Um, <laughs> so usually I do sit down at that point. That's when it's done. But uh, they were kind enough to let me show you a quick part two of this video. So I shared this story for the last uh, year or two-ish. Um, and then it's funny because I, I, when I actually was doing this talk live in public, and then it hit me, oh, you should include the hotel in the talk. No, 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 I can't do that, can't do that. Finally, I had the courage to include the hotel. And what you just saw was a, a very rough sketch of the hotel. And so then this past year, this past fall, is actually when I finally found the real courage to start putting one foot in front of the other to pursue this. And um, 
found a team and we put together a better video. This is like the, the, the next version of what you just saw that kind of details out the hotel in a little more detail. So we're going to show that real quick and then I'll be back up for some Q&A. My name is Jeremy Cower, and with your help, we are about to build a hotel unlike anything the world has ever seen. I have traveled as a photographer to over 25 countries, staying in countless hotels. They all at least get the job done. But what if they could do more? Could your stay in a hotel help create a better life for someone else? As crazy as that might sound, I believe that it can. So with your help, we are going to build something extraordinary. Introducing the Purpose Hotel. An innovative hotel chain that is the first of its kind because everything has a purpose. Where your life inside the building improves the world around it. The first one we'll call Nashville, Tennessee home. And it will bring together some of the most meaningful ideas on earth. Everything you interact with will be stunningly designed and will actively benefit great causes. I'm asking you to help me build it because humanity desperately needs it. So here is how it will work. Each room will sponsor a child's education. Every door will have a name and a story. Every aspect of your stay will help others reclaim their dignity and earn a living from the mini bar to the hand-sewn comforter, the soaps, even down to the furniture and the store in the lobby. We are making this hotel to be life-giving to the people who need it most. We think the most powerful symbol for that is a functioning charity water well in the lobby. So drink up. And of course, there will be free Wi-Fi. But if you need faster Wi-Fi, that money will fight against human trafficking. There will be an open co-working space allowing you to collaborate and dream up even greater ideas. The hallways will be lined with the most iconic humanitarian art and photography highlighting projects happening all over the world. The conference rooms will host world-changing events and gatherings, including the annual Help Portrait event. At any other hotel, you simply get a receipt showing where your money went. At the Purpose Hotel, your receipt will also show your impact on the world. So whether you stay once or 20 times with us, your user account will keep a running tally on your total influence. The success of this campaign will redefine hospitality. It'll mark a shift in hotels becoming a place for change, for community. I'm choosing to kickstart this because it's the people's platform. This is where technology meets compassion. By donating, you will say that you helped build the first purpose hotel. If you give $75, you become an official co-founder. That means you can send us your favorite portrait of yourself and we will place it on the walls of the hotel. Not just in the first Nashville hotel, but every hotel we ever build. Even long after we're all gone, there'll still be purpose hotels standing tall around the world. It's a statement that what unites us is far more important than the boundaries we're born into. Donate and become a co-founder today. Join me and my family. We can't wait to see you there.
Great stuff. Jeremy, thank you so much for sharing your time and your story with us. It's, it's beautiful. And I think for many of us, we, we see people like you that are creative, that are entrepreneurial, and, and we may not feel like we're very creative. I, know I feel that way. Like I'm not a creative person. Um, but I know as we've gotten to know each other and talked this morning, like how did you find a way to intersect the incredible gifts and talents that you kind of discovered along the way, but with your love for people and obviously your faith in God and really merge those together into a really beautiful thing? How, how did that happen for you? Yeah, it's just a, a slow process, one thing after another. I mean, I realized very quickly in my life, and maybe many of you have too, where the the dreams of making money in a cool career is like going to be fulfilling. And then you realize that's not. And uh, it was over time that I would look back on ideas and realize that I was more fulfilled by help portrait and by things I was doing overseas. And that's because I realized those things were actually helping people. So I've become passionate about this intersection of creativity and, and loving and serving others. So if I can be an artist and I can create why, while helping, then, um, then I feel very like I'm in, my, I'm in my walking and purpose doing what God wants me to do. It's awesome. I know you mentioned this earlier in the in the video that like when you were growing up and you found yourself saying, I can't, I can't over and over again. And maybe many of us here have been in those spaces, either as a child or even now as as an adult, as we enter into our career or a new endeavor, uh, you find that resistance, you find that fear, you find that uh, other voice that might be in your mind saying you can't. And so you had your parents, and, and they really reprogrammed your heart of believing you can because of what they would read to you out of Philippians 4.13. But many of us may have not had that gift of an incredible supportive family. And how would you encourage someone right now that might be at that kind of intersection of, of that fear and that resistance to encourage them to keep going and keep trying? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, it's super, super hard for anybody to... Anybody that didn't have that voice in your life or didn't have those people to encourage you, like I probably wouldn't have done any of these things were not for my parents. So, um, but that's what the church is here for. That's why we're here on Sunday mornings is to be together and to walk together and to have uh, voices within our lives being able to speak into it. Um, but I would say the ideas are a funny thing. Like the voices never go away. I'm still very insecure about this hotel thing. I mean, my voices are... Who, what are you thinking to be building in the nation's most exploding market where all the hotel brands are coming in? You should have done this four years ago when you had the idea. This is going to be way too expensive. You don't know what you're doing. Like, But I've realized that through all the things I've pursued, those voices are always there. Like, it's never going to be the perfect time. Like, just like it was the never perfect time to get married or to have children or to do anything. And so you just have to realize, like, you're never going to have your act together. The ducks aren't going to be in a row. Like, you just have to go and what I call stumble forward. You, it's just going to be messy, but you just got to put one foot in front of the other and, and start walking. Yeah, so how do, how do you tend to find yourself getting inspired? Like, where do you have some of these ideas? That Where do they come to you? And how do you really find that courage? Do you put people around you? Hey, I got this crazy new idea. Like... Let me bounce this off of you. Yeah, there is a process for my ideas, a loose process. Um, first thing I do is I share a, a big idea with my wife. And I love that because she's not a big fan of my ideas per se. So 
I'll share an idea with her. I'm like, oh, I got this amazing thing. And she'll be like, that's awesome. Uh, did you take out the trash? I can't remember. I'm going <laughs> right. to run to Target. I'll be back in an hour. I'm like, no, really? Did you hear the idea? Um, and so then uh, the, the two times that I got her was when I told her about Hell Portrait in the hotel. And she cried on the spot, like wept. I was like, sweet. <laughs> yeah. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. So I know if I can make my wife cry, then I've got something. Um, so then I'll usually run it by my business manager and see if he likes it. I'll run it by the people I trust. And if they like it, then I'll usually give it um, a few weeks, like a couple of months. Because ideas always feel genius at first. And then if you give it some time, you'll be like, oh, that was not a good idea. Um, and so I, I run it by the people I trust. And then I wait. And if it passes all the tests, and, and, then I'll, and if it, most importantly, if it's involving something that helps the community or serves people or feels like the Lord in general, then obviously I won't try to move forward. That's cool. And obviously you've been all over the world with, with your art and photography. You've photographed the president, the pope, even Britney Spears. Uh, that wasn't a ranking in order. Um, <laughs> But also been in some very, very difficult and tragic spaces, too. Obviously, right after the earthquake in Haiti. And, and you've seen both the, like, polished, beautiful, easy, you know, from some standpoint, like, this is designed to be an attractive experience. And then also some really challenging hardship. And yet found beauty and even found purpose and meaning through that all. And my question is, like, as a follower of Jesus, seeing really the tension and the disparity of the human story mm-hmm. and being able to have the unique lens literally behind the camera of capturing the dignity of every unique individual, mm-hmm. whether they're rich and powerful and beautiful and made up, made up or they're just living their life and that one happens to be a tragic moment. How has that affected you? And what would you say to someone that might be in a space this morning where life hasn't maybe shown themselves to be that helpful or kind and they have that tension when it comes specifically to their relationship with God. Yeah, I really enjoy working and living in that tension of, I mean, I was actually on the TV show Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, you know, like I was featured as a photographer, like so to be in that world and then to go around the world and and shoot these most, the poorest, from the richest of rich to the poorest of poor, um, I find that it all makes me a better Christian and a better human. I, I recently uh, photographed a very famous pastor <laughs> that a lot of Christians had a problem with me shooting, and I got a lot of hate online for photographing a pastor. And I came back and I said, listen, like, I'm going to photograph Britney Spears and Kim Kardashian and pastors and people of all walks, all belief systems, because it all helps me learn to listen Like, are we not supposed to be in the world and not of it? And so I love embracing being, you know, embracing culture because I'm able to be a better dad to my children and to teach them things based off experience, not just what I see on TV and, you know, read. Um, And so, yeah, I just find that all of those things make me a more understanding human, especially in this day and age where we're also seemingly more and more divided. If we just sit down and listen to each other and, and, and love each other, then, then that's, that's, that's a beautiful thing. I love that, Jeremy. Well, thank you so much for sharing your art and your story and letting us see you and inviting us into it. Can we give Jeremy another hand? And I would love to just pray for you. 
yeah. as you as you step into this next exciting endeavor and this next challenge for your family, for your business, but also just for what I really believe God's going to do in and through it. So if you wouldn't mind, would you reach out a hand just towards Jeremy, kind of focus our hearts, and let's pray for him in the Purpose Hotel together. Heavenly Father, thank you that while the world is up and down and sometimes feels inside out even, that you are in control and that you have invited us that have much to help those that have little and to show your love and compassion in a way that's dignified, in a way that's unified, and in a way ultimately that shows the world who you really are. And so I thank you for Jeremy and how he has utilized the gifts and the fame and the platform that you've given to him to point people back ultimately to you, the creator, and to use that to help so many people already in so many ways. We honor what you are doing in and through his life, but we also, as he steps into this new endeavor, it's bigger and scarier than probably anything he's done before, but with his heart on fire and his eyes on you to help people in a really tangible way, we pray that you would just be blessing and protecting him. Would you be surrounding his family, his friends, those that he's collaborating with, that they would not lose sight of what you've invited them to do, but would step courageously and boldly into it, knowing that they are representing you well. And so God, we bless him. We thank you for his life and his story and all the stories that he has helped capture and tell and the difference that that has made in their lives and in our lives this morning. And so Jesus, in your name, we pray all of these things. Amen. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jeremy.